Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 46. For this particular episode, it'll just be me. I do have guests coming up, future episodes, and some will be return guests. Well, a lot to talk about in episode 46 of Ethereal Underground. This is a little unique approach in this evening's episode. It'll be technical, unique, bizarre. It'll take some abstract thinking to follow the logic and the conclusion of the point that I want to bring in this episode. So bear with me throughout this episode and see if you can follow along. Again, it will be very unique. Okay, we'll start with the global financial, the global economy, global banking. Now, probably this listening audience will already know some of the basics. So I'll be quick because I will assume that all of you know this. Running economies are very complex. Running currencies, money, monetary policies are very complex. Throughout history, the tendency always, always 100% guaranteed you hear the expression you you can take it to the bank so in this case pun intended <laughs> but if if a group of individuals a certain segment of society or a particular nation politicians whatever term you want to use if there's a group that has the ability to create money or manage money especially currency or a banking system that is global, like a global currency, the temptation to abuse that privilege or the power that comes with that privilege is never able to be mastered or balanced. So what happens is mankind, male, female, social, economic, religious, non-religious, ethnicity, doesn't matter. Any human being cannot resist the power and temptation of money creation or managing a global monetary system, the global banking. It just is impossible. The temptation is too great. Imperfection, greed, abuse, misuse of that power always, 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 always happens. It's 100% guaranteed. So examples throughout history are all over the place. Nothing ever changes. So in recent time, 
after World War II, the United States comes out of the war as a nation basically intact because World War I, there's a lot of infrastructure damage, economic damage, of course, stress, loss of life. Don't want to underestimate that by any means. But United States was intact because the land-based infantry, combat, air, naval, really didn't touch the United States as a whole, North America. Little part of industrial Canada was not affected either. So after World War II, the United States had the infrastructure, they had the factory capacity, manufacturing, they had stability. So the U.S. dollar through the Bretton Woods Agreement becomes the world's reserve currency. And at that time, it was backed by gold. So you could have United States Federal Reserve currency, and if you so desire, trade it in at a banking center and get physical gold. That worked until everyone knows August 1971. So Nixon, President Richard Nixon, closed the gold window. It was supposed to be temporary. So 1971, this is March of year 2023. The gold window was never opened. The dollar was quickly attached to oil production, the Middle East, primarily Saudi Arabia, OPEC nations. Henry Kissinger was instrumental in that. There's a lot of books written about that. And now the U.S. dollar gets nicknamed the petrodollar. So basically, holding U.S. dollars was important because you could buy oil. Nations need energy. Oil is the backbone of manufacturing and production, pharmaceuticals. For the last 100 plus years, the world has become dependent on an oil-based economy. So needing oil and only being able to purchase oil with the U.S. dollar, that kind of substitutes for being on the gold standard. Well, that lasts for a while, but then there's, there's problems, obviously, with the United States government and the central bank of the United States, the Federal Reserve, which is a privately held bank, the tendency is to print dollars. You have the magic key to print dollars so you can print money out of thin air, which gives the ability to abuse the printing press, the power of being able to print dollars. And maybe you could print dollars off the books, you know, secretly. Well, the Many possibilities. To make a long story short, that privilege obviously has been abused to the tune of trillions and trillions of dollars, hundreds of trillions of dollars. And if you get into derivatives, there's two to four thousand trillion. So that's two to four quadrillion. It's a number that the mind cannot comprehend. It's a number very large, even in universal galactic standards. 
So there's banking chaoses. There's financial instability. There's stagflation, inflation, recessions, depressions, supply chain issues. And if there's a house of cards or there's distrust, if there's dishonesty, if there's hanky-panky or lying when it comes to global finances and a world's reserve currency, you have a lot of trouble. And we've reached that dead end. The trouble with corrupting a global banking system in a reserve currency is it results in death, not 10 or 20, but billions that will die because of this. It's inevitable. So it's a great crisis that will cost lives. How many? Who knows? A fourth, a third? 50%, 70%, it will be staggering and it's historical. The degree of the impact that this abuse, this corruption, and this mismanagement will cause, the death toll will be historic. So the question is, when's that all gonna begin? Or has it begun? And then they've artificially kept the monetary system on life support and is that sustainable of course it isn't right so if we're in a situation where the financial system collapses and there's restructuring there's chaos and there's problems of goods and services and electricity and medical care the list goes on and on Will it be to the extent that it could cost you your life? Most likely the answer is yes. You and me. It is what it is, right? So this, this is very large in scope, and it's beyond your control, a family's control, even a township, a village, because this, this is global in scope. What I want to do is transition and compare the financial system and the stresses and the death that will come because of this abuse to natural models of living organisms, nature, ecosystems that exist here on Earth. Because we can learn a lot what happens on planet Earth, what happens to organisms with ecosystems, biomes, biospheres, when they're mismanaged or they're manipulated or interrupted, and it causes stress, disease, collapse, or death. There's a connection because there's a fractal pattern that never changes. A fractal pattern is consistent. It just simply is a ratio or scale. So a fractal pattern is the same if it's magnified or reduced. If it's to the minus 10 to the minus 30 or 10 to the plus 30, fractal pattern is the same. It's just a matter of scale. So what happens in nature will also spill over into man's reality and the nature of man. So I want to bring up 
an interesting fact, a true story, an analogy, and see if you can get the connection at the end of this episode 46. The world's largest organism is called Pando. Pando is Latin for I spread. And Pando is the largest org organism on planet Earth. It is a family, a small forest of 108 acres of a quaking aspen. And these aspen trees that exist in a 108 plus acre area at Fremont River Ranger District of the Fish Lake National Forest, which is the western edge of the Colorado Plateau, located in south central Utah. See, the 108 acres of these quaking aspen, which are beautiful, white-barked trees, are part of the same genome. They're clones. They're all part of an ancient tree that most likely is over 14,000 years old. The quaking aspen has a very complex below the soil root system, over 14,000 years old. And the aspen, the quaking aspen, and it gets that name, sometimes referred to as trembling aspen, because it has flat leaves. It has lengthy stalks called petoil, petoils. And when there's light breezes, the flat leaves on this long stem, they vibrate or tremble. They're not very tall trees. They kind of top out at 50 feet. But some of these clones can live up to 150 years old. So there was a, an original quaking aspen. They have white bark over 14,000 years ago. And as it grew and mature, the tree, 50 feet. And as it got older, 60, 70, 80 years, living up to 150 years in its root system, it would establish clones. Now the quaking aspen tree, they're widely distributed in North America. They can be found in Alaska, Canada, obviously United States, because there's this specialized forest of clones in Utah, but even in Mexico, mountainous areas of Mexico. They reproduce two ways. They, they have a pollen and eggs, so they have flowers called catkins. 
but primarily they are asexual. So new stems come up from a single root system. They're clones. They're all genetically the same. So the one tree of over 14,000 plus years ago grows and it becomes a forest of its own of over 47,000, between 47 and 50,000 individual trees. They're all male and they all have the same DNA. Pendo weighs 6,000 tons or around 12 million pounds. It's root system over 14,000 years old. It's the oldest known living organism on planet Earth. The appropriate name, Pando in Latin, because I spread, well, it's root system. It's a very complex underground root system, over 14,000 years of age. In this case, over 108, 110 acres. And these stems or shoots come up and you have identical male clones with this organism. The organism communicates through chemicals released in the root system. The tree communicates underground, electrochemically. It's been able to survive geological, geological changes over 14,000 years. So do you think this tree, because really it's an extension of one tree, 47 to 50,000, male clones, do you think this tree has observed various conditions over 14,000 plus years? Of course it has. Do you think the tree, Pando, has any kind of wisdom if it's 14,000 years old? Do you think it understands earth and climate? Do you think it understands chemistry? microorganisms, ecosystems, of course. See, it's impossible for any organism to be 14,000 plus years old and not have knowledge or wisdom. It's just a different type of knowledge or wisdom than we might define as humans. But it's certainly older than we are. It's been here longer. The sad part about Pando which is in South Central Utah, is the fact that it's in trouble. It's weak. It might be dying. What a tragedy that would be, 14,000 plus years old, the oldest living organism. It's not the largest. There, there's a, a fungus colony that's larger as far as acreage and coverage, but it is the oldest organism. It was doing fine until the last 50 years. So what's happened? Well, you probably can already guess what's happened if you don't already know. Probably already know if you're from that area of the United States, you'd be familiar 
with it because it's really a landmark. It's part of the forest, national forest system. So it's part of Fish Lake National Forest. It has a beautiful golden vista in the fall with its white bark. The type of tree and bark is very unique because it's one of the few trees that's able to continue the photosynthesis process all through the winter. So in the fall, when the leaves fall to the ground and winter sets in, the light bark continues the photosynthesis process. The bark absorbs light energy from the sun and converts that light energy into starches. And the tree uses those starches for food to survive during the winter. Pando is considered a keystone plant, genera. It's unique to its local ecoregion. It's considered a native plant. Why are native plants so important? Well, native plants, for example, create the ecosystem that support over 96% of bird life and small animals. Because a native plant creates an ecosystem where you have insects and food sources for birds and small animals. If you take away keystone plants, these native plants, the trees or forests die, everything else dies. Small animals, birds, and the list goes on. Pando is part of a boreal forest. They're the largest land-based biome and consist of coniferous trees. So these are cone-bearing seed trees, needle trees, your evergreens, for example, and evergreen shrubs. Depending on the statistics, the rural forests cover 17 to 22% of Earth's land surface. These forests are important because it absorbs solar radiation and converts that solar radiation into heat. Well, that's very important when you're dealing with Alaska, Canada, Russia, Northern United States, the mountainous regions, to convert solar radiation into heat. The other type of forest is you have your temperate forests. So they're mid-latitude, those are the Forests that have four seasons, they cover roughly 24%, say, of the Earth's surface landmass. They have a continuous canopy with broad leaves, deciduous, so they'll drop their leaves in, in the fall. But they have thin leaves because the, the leaves are rapidly produced in the spring. They're thin, a broad base. They produce photosynthesis. It takes little energy to produce this broad-based leaf, but they're thin. And then in the fall, they drop to the floor and decompose for the soil on Earth.
your third main category would be the tropical forest. So they're going to be between the equator and 23 degrees north, 23 degrees south of the equator. So there's that middle band, that belt around the center of the earth, the equator, and they cover about 10% of the earth's landmass. They're very efficient because they have a long growing season. It's basically year round, 12 months, because there isn't any winter. The life is up in the canopies of the trees. So the complexity is, is 100, 150 feet above the canopy where it's teeming with life. But when there are trees and limbs and bark that fall through the tropical forest floor, the jungle floor, What's interesting is the recycling process is so efficient, the decay and recycling process, that almost everything gets recycled within 24 to 48 hours when it hits the jungle floor. The tropical forest jungle floor. Thus the expression, it's a jungle out there <laughs> because in the jungle, things move very quickly say the least. So Pando is extremely important. It's it's an ecosystem all to its own. And it's dying. Why? When we review this, it'll give us the clue to the problem of humanity. Why humanity also is dying. The financial system and how the fractal patterns are the same. The Pando is suffering because there's been persistent overbrowsing by deer and cattle. It's also suffering because there's been human interventions that might have exacerbated the situation. It's not that the humans didn't care. In fact, they did care. They still care. And they're trying to protect Pando, but not understanding a 14,000 plus year organism, the lack of knowledge they're trying to intervene could have ended up doing more damage than good. The Aspen Forest stand has weathered millennial of biological pressures. But in the last 50 years, a combina combination of grazing, human development, and drought threatens Pando to work to permanently die. How the aspen tree forest works is as the older trees between 80 and 150 years of age, as an older tree stand dies, then a younger layer should be ready to replace it. 
when aspens are damaged by disturbance like herbivores, the clone sends a signal to the roots to make more sprouts. So there's communication, advanced communication going on underground through this 14,000 year old root system. And it communicates and sends signals to sprout up a younger generation. So it can replace itself. That's how it grew to 108, 110 acres over 14,000 years. There is an interesting study that was done in examining Hando. And in this study, Professor Rogers found that Pando's demographics were completely unbalanced. He only found ancient adult trees, the 80 to 150 year old trees. So for an illustration, it'd be as if you went to a community, a township of, of humans and everyone in the town, 47,000 individuals in town we're all 85 years and older. Well, it's not sustainable, is it? So where's the next generation? Professor Rogers also compared historical aerial footage to modern photos and his survey made the reality crystal clear. Pando is slowly shrinking, so it's dying. He knew it was contracting because it had no young sprouts to replace the older trees as they died. So he suspected the culprits were mule deer and cattle. So these animals browse Pando's young shoots and they decimate them before they can reach a development stage where they're hardy and can survive. So the mule deer and cattle graze in this 110 acre area and they're literally devouring and eating the younger generation of these aspen trees. And that's why there's no younger generation to replace the older 80 to 150 year old trees. So unfortunately the overabundance of browsers is directly linked to human interventions. He goes on to observe that we have steadily encroached on Pando over the last few decades, building telephone poles, campgrounds, roadways. The constant development and maintenance of these areas can provide ideal forage for mule deer who like to snack on low line forest leaves and shoots. So due to man's involvement, economic development, they put a road that cuts right through Pando in the first place. But naturally, camping grounds very popular. People like to be out in nature and they want to see something. But all that traffic and the maintenance, he's, he's correct. It, it provided an ideal environment for the deer and cattle to snack 
and decimate all the replacement generation of these aspen trees. The U.S. Forest Service allowed local cattle to graze at Pando for about two weeks every year. And they thought, well, if it's just two weeks, that wouldn't cause any real damage. But even two weeks of letting the cattle graze in that area was enough to have a significant impact and help with the dying of Pando. So land management, forestry, botanists, experts, they recognized that Pando was under stress from herbivores. So they fenced off parts of the forest stand to protect it from browsing. The grove of trees is now split into three parts unfenced control zones. You had one fence that was erected in 2013. There's a 2014 fence that was erected and repaired in 2019. They did not design it in a logical manner, but an indirect way they created three treatment zones or three controlled areas that were graze or browse-free zones. Unfortunately, these good intentions confuse Pando because Pando is one living organism. It spans 108 to 110 acres, or it's starting to shrink now. It's over 14,000 years old. But by sectioning off certain areas with fencing and trying to keep deer and cattle from grazing to give the young sprouts and shoots a chance to grow to adulthood, it confused the organism. So Professor Rogers returned in 2021 and he found that Pando was fractioned into three fours with only 60% of the fenced area effectively keeping out herbivores and over half of Pando without any fencing at all. So what had been a single organism was essentially cut into three exposed to varying ecological pressures. So inadvertently in attempts to try to help, mankind has confused Pando and divided it into three separate ecosystems. So Pando itself is confused and doesn't know what signals to send or how to communicate underground in the root system. So the barriers appear to have an unintended consequence, potentially sectioning Pando into di divergent ecological zones rather than encouraging a single resilient forest. So they encourage Pando to fracture into three distinct entities. It's not supposed to be one entity. An illustration would be, if an individual is sick, you wouldn't apply three separate treatments to the same human being. That doesn't work. So if an individual is sick, you have 
a single treatment. You don't split up a human being into three parts and then have three different treatments. The human being is a whole organism. It's a complete unit. Pando isn't any different. So a keystone species is extremely important. It facilitates high level of biodiversity. It supports a complex ecosystem of all the birds and the mammals and the insects. The understory, it retains water, making it resistant to wildfires. And Pando's overstory has been steadily diminishing. So when you have less canopy cover, it allows more light to penetrate the understory, the ground, and the soil. And it changes the composition and the diversity of the plants and the animals and the soil chemistry. So it's a mess. It's a mess. Nature has a way of maintaining balance. So for example, why are there so many mule deer and cattle? Well, that's because your, your apex predators have been aggressively hunted and pushed away from the area. So you had wolves and coyotes and bears. And as those apex predators diminished, then you had an overpopulation of deer and cattle. And then they destroy the upcoming generations and Pando cannot replace itself. It cannot grow. So the ecosystem is out of balance. Anytime man gets involved and changes nature's balance, it's, it's disastrous. So what's interesting in how this relates to the banking crisis of, of today and whether it's a, a die-off of the world's oldest organism, Pando, due to man's interventions, whether it had good intentions or not, but just building the roadways and, and the parks and the hiking trails and erecting fences, and it interrupted the balance of nature. We have a, a world matrix. We have an economic system, mercantilism, the industrial revolution that is not natural. So for several hundred years, you know, technically, let's say go back 400 years, maybe even a little bit later, but for sure last 400 years, the inventions and the mechanisms and where mankind has headed that brought us to today, March, 2023, it's it's an unnatural world matrix. It's an unnatural world system of things. And when it's unnatural, it causes death because it's not in balance with nature. The economic system, the mindset, the lifestyles, the culture of societies is artificial. And it's 
a pathway that leads to self-destruction. So it, it's, it's a mess and there's no easy solution. In fact, it's a matter of debate what the solution is. Ancient texts say that the solution is an Armageddon type event or a complete reset that's orchestrated not by humans, but by much older ancient life forms that live in a different dimension. Whether you, you believe that or not, it's very interesting what these ancient texts have to say. But what's difficult for us is we should realize that how we were raised, even though this global economic system and culture, just culture itself, academia, governments, the entertainment, the banking industry, business, corporations, everything that we have been born and raised in. This was here before we came along. So when were you born? 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? It's, it's, it's been here. So we didn't directly cause it. We didn't have any say-so. This economic system was already here. But our perception. You know, when we get into a car and we drive on asphalt or concrete, we go to work, we go to the grocery store, the shopping center, a ball game to visit family and friends. We're driving on a highway, a road system. We have automobiles, we have fuel, we have electricity, we have light fixtures. Everything that we take for granted and we think that is normal, it's an economic system that's actually killing us, killing the planet. It's not sustainable. So when it comes crashing down, you have stress, disease, and death. So Pando is dying because it's been interrupted through artificial means and nature was interrupted. Our culture, our lifestyle is not natural. We were never meant to live in big cities. We were never meant to have asphalt parking lots, right? Concrete highways and bridges and combustible engines gets here we're used to it even even our homes the building materials of our homes and the way our homes are designed is not in harmony with nature it interrupts energy natural energy flow from earth so we're not grounded properly we're disconnected from nature and we're supposed to be part of nature we're organic we're no different than pando we have DNA, we have amino acids, we have sugars, carbohydrates, vitamins, and minerals. We're the same material as Pando. We're supposed to be connected to nature, analog, and in harmony and sync and rhythm with nature. We're not. When we're in a digital world and we're in a petroleum-based world, we have plastic and leather, it's not sustainable. Well, it is what it is. It's it's not looking good. This is not a show where there's a happy ending. There's millions of YouTubers and other bloggers. You can go there for that information. This this is real. So what I always try to emphasize is when death's coming. So unless unless you know something that I don't know and you think you're going to live forever in this world reality, 
Uh, that's interesting. But when death is coming, what's interesting, what happens at death or after death? Is there life after death? Is there resurrection or consciousness that can be re-engaged? Uh, awareness? If there is, what does it look like? Who's responsible for it? What you do now in, in your organic human vessel, your human body, do you think your actions and your conduct have anything to do with what type of reality or if you have a reality after death? Do you think it matters? See, those are interesting questions. And if we're in an artificial reality, that whether it was deliberate or just happened to be designed in such a way that it got us disconnected from nature, and it's going to lead to a horrific global event, financial crisis, and a lot of chaos and death. If we weren't literally responsible for it, but we were born and raised in that environment, is there a way that we can still participate less in it, have less connections to this world, and be more connected to nature, or be less physical and more spiritual, not focus on the plastic and leather, but the spiritual? Well, I think yes. The answer is yes. But what does that look like? Have you even tried to do that? Do you know how to do that? Do you associate with people who are trying to do that? A lot of questions, isn't there? I won't necessarily get into that in these podcasts. I've, I've searched my whole life. I've, I have adopted certain strategies, certain understandings, certain spiritual pursuits, not heavily involved in this world or the plastic and leather aspect of this world. That's a personal choice that I've made. I continue to study, meditate, think and ponder and have epiphanies on my personal journey. But what my neighbor does, my family does, or the listening audience, I, it's none of my business, nor do I have any control over that. But I do think compared to my peers, I do think deeper thinking and addressing these very, very hard questions, many of which are scary and many of which you could be persecuted or ostracized for being a deep thinker. I went ahead and went into the deep end of the pool and I've challenged myself and I continue to tackle these hard questions. And what's the price you pay? You're not going to be popular and you're not going to be invited over at parties. Plain and simple. People want to stay in a plastic and leather world. Well, that's the decision they made. I've pulled away from society and I'm okay with that. But that's, again, my decision. I'm not saying you, what you need to do. You got to figure that out. I'm not here on planet Earth to hold your hand and answer these questions for you. I'm just at least brave enough on a podcast to bring these up. A lot of people just want followers to stroke their ego and they want subscribers. So what do they do? They talk about safe things, gold and silver, or money or careers or how to restore a car. Well, any chimpanzee can talk about those topics. That's non-controversial. That's second, third grade recess talk. I'm not going to waste my time with those kind of podcasts. So that's it for episode 46. Very different episode, I know. So I encourage you to research Pando. It's beautiful in the fall. Those amber leaves, when they fall to the ground, and then the sound that they make during summer. What a beautiful organism. It's a shame that it's dying. 
Is mankind in the same situation? Very interesting comparison. One thing's for sure, man's current reality has damaged a 14,000 plus year old organism and man's current reality is damaging you and I. So it depends if you're along for the ride and you're going to continue with this world and the mindset of this world, or if you're going to make attempts to disconnect and get away from this current world matrix. Well, until next time, episode 47, I always encourage everyone get out in nature, get grounded, get the body healing, try to get into that natural earth Schumann resonance of seven to eight hertz. Until next time, take care.